Our next speaker is Noon Silk. Noon is a programmer and he's studying a Master's of uh, Mathematics, I believe, at Melbourne Uni. Um, when left alone for long periods of time, he will often tend towards trying to program Haskell, much to his detriment. Would you please welcome Noon? Uh, hello. Uh, so the person I've picked to, today to talk about as my hero is, uh, it won't surprise some of you, he's indeed a programmer. Uh, and he's also a mathematician and a cryptographer. His name is, in fact, Daniel J. Bernstein, uh, but uh, he's better known simply as DJB. Uh, in fact, he joins an elite crowd of mathematicians known only by three, three letters, LCM and GCD being the other two. Um, so, in fact, DJB is still alive, uh, so hello if you're listening to this. So I chose, I chose DJB <coughs> I chose DJB for, I think, the standard reasons you choose a hero. Uh, uh, for example, I like some of the properties he appears to have, uh, and I like what I claim to be his attitude towards life. So what I claim that to be is the following. Openness, correctness, and as someone politely called it, uh, an uncompromising vision, you know, otherwise known as you know, maybe being a bit arrogant, or at least <laughs> you know, preferring to be correct over preferring to be polite. Uh, I used to think this was like a really good approach to life. I've started to like drop it back a little bit. <laughs> you, you, like a key part of it is being right, and I'm often wrong. <laughs> uh, so, so in fact, what makes DJB particularly famous is that he sued the American government uh, and won. So, so, yeah, go DJB. Excellent work. Uh, so, so first, a bit of background. He was born. <laughs> DJB was born in 1971. Uh, when he was 16, he gave a talk at the Ramanujan Centenary Conference uh, describing some fast algorithms to calculate E and pi. Uh, these are things that mathematicians like to calculate, and in case you're wondering if you're round them, they're, they're three. Uh, so, so that's a pretty fast algorithm if you're interested. Um, so indeed, so he went on to complete a, a bachelor's degree in mathematics and then a PhD at Berkeley in 1995. Uh, but indeed, his life became particularly interesting in, in 1992. So in 1992, he wrote this cryptographic software called Snuffle. Programmers are excellent at naming things. Uh, and, and it turns out at the time that this encryption software was actually considered a military weapon. Uh, and it was alongside, it was on a munitions list alongside other dangerous items such as uh, scuba equipment and the fax machine. So I think, uh, I think uh, it's pretty clear if anyone has that kind of technology, they're, they're pretty dangerous. Uh, so, so indeed, being on the munitions list means you need to get approval from the government before exporting it. Uh, and I, I guess it, it, I, I want to say at the current state of time, this, this munitions list still exists. And it still contains odd things. Like, they've stepped their game up a little bit. So on there now, there's directed energy weapons, which I do, you know, it's like pretty obviously a, a, a lightsaber. Uh, and, 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 and nuclear power plants. But they've also added uh, containers, you know, so Tupperware, there's like, you know. So if you have dinner at the military, uh, you better check first. Um, so indeed, in an ambitious move, DJB actually tried to follow the protocol of the government in order to comply with these export, export laws. Uh, so he did, he, I think he sent them a letter 
So he, he, sent, he, he began this process in 1992 while still undertaking his PhD. Uh, within a few months, he received a rejection, as is you know, perhaps common. Uh, and indeed, after exchanging several letters, he, he basically got bored after the government sent him a book explaining how to register as an arms trader. Uh, so so indeed, indeed, being a diligent student at this time, he actually took no further action, uh, and he focused on his PhD and finished his thesis, which is you know, pretty good advice for me right now. Uh, um, and so I think basically immediately after finishing his PhD, he sued the government through the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is a kind of famous thing uh, in America. His claim essentially was that restricting him from talking about his cryptographic software was against free speech, uh, the, that classic American thing. Um, <laughs> So indeed, this is, uh, I claim this is a particularly important case because cryptography is something nice to talk about. Uh, and indeed, it was only after this, this case that we kind of heard about the most widely used cryptographic, cryptographic system today, which is called RSA. Uh, this is a pretty important system. So a lawyer was hired. Her name was Cindy, Cindy Cohn. And essentially, in 1996, they were, they were victorious after exchanging several, several documents, as, as lawyers do. Uh, indeed, the, the judge agreed that it was wrong for the government to restrict DJB from sharing his ideas in the form of source code. This is the kind of instructions to the computer describing how a program operates. Um, uh, but, it, but, but it turns out that the government essentially just ignored the, the courts and moved the regulations to a different department. Uh, and so the EFF had to sue them again. They won again. And DJB was quoted at this time as saying, this is wonderful news. I hope I can get some of my ideas published before the government changes the laws again. Uh, indeed, he didn't. The government, the, government, the government continued for so long that DJB eventually became his own lawyer. He fired his other lawyers. Uh, I think Cindy Cohn had left. He hired another firm, fired them. He said, I'm good enough. This is the you know, uncompromising vision. I will tell you how it goes. Uh, and indeed, he perhaps wasn't good enough because in the end, uh, the, the judge threw out the case uh, after, after the government basically agreed to not enforce the law. So DJB hassled them so much that they, they essentially said, OK, fine, we don't want you coming to us with every idea that you want to present at a conference. We won't enforce the law. But note, for example, that they didn't immediately change the laws. Um, so indeed, I wanted to say at this time that the cryptographic export laws are fixed, but they're not, uh, which was a, a little bit of a surprise to me. There's, there's, a, there's a kind of multi-country agreement excuse me, uh, between Australia, the US, and several other countries, not the terrorist countries. There's a list of like five countries deemed to be terrorist countries. Uh, they're not allowed. But um, uh, these other guys, they're allowed to distribute source code, but there's some sort of comment that you need to tell the government about it, uh, which I certainly don't go around telling the government every time I upload source code, they would be very unimpressed with what I'm putting out there. Uh, so, so indeed, this brings us to the early 2000s. Around this time, DJB started doing some very fine programming work. Uh, he essentially tried to promote the idea that it's possible to write perfect software by just writing small bits of code and just doing everything correctly. 
Uh, and this is, this is a genius idea, of course, and, and, and you know, a little bit obvious in retrospect, but it's also in, in a little bit of a, a disagreement with the kind of standard idea that it's too hard to do everything perfectly, and you know, we should simply deal with it in, by testing things or you know, something, something like this. Uh, in fact, this attitude of his is coming back into fashion uh, these days, along with another related idea that writing bad code should be hard. Uh, and, and writing good code should be easy. It's fascinating to hear about code, I'm sure, but uh, I could go on. Um, so he, he also demonstrated writing very secure software, so he put out some very famous pieces of software that had remarkably few bugs. And uh, a famous character called Aaron Schwartz, uh, he's a famous internet activist and campaigner for openness and open journals, said about DJB, I think it's time to remind people that DJB is the greatest programmer in the history of the world. Uh, and, and he went on to comment, he was commenting about the number of bugs found in his software, and he also had, had several paragraphs commenting about the subjective beauty of the bits of code that DJB would write. Uh, and it, it's not bad. Um, so DJB even inspired a, a movement in software called the DJB Way. Uh, and a quote from the website on this is, by working with the full collection of DJB software and some careful attention, we think a server may truly approach perfection. Uh, so the perfection of servers is, is something programmers care about. Um, so indeed, it, more recently, DJB has been working on post-quantum cryptography. This is the type that will survive the invention of quantum computers, something I care about slightly. Uh, and his his dream his dream you know making up his dream from the facts I've told you seems to be that he wants to work in a world where he can you know not be hassled by the government and just talk freely with his friends and colleagues about his research. It seems like a pretty reasonable idea to me. So thank you. <laughs>